Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. Before we get into the Word, you, get, you actually, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, and we'll get there in a moment. But as you turn there, uh, I've got just a couple other quick announcements. First, just want to give uh, you an update. If you weren't here last Sunday, we uh, made an announcement that the previous week we had received an anonymous donation for our Generations campaign uh, for $250,000. Um, and so, yeah, praise the Lord. And so we were, I think we were about 6000 or so dollars uh, away from completing the funding for phase one. Um, that finished that, skipped phase two, and took us into phase three. Um, in addition to that, there's an additional $25,000 uh, that's been pledged as a matching donation if we receive another $25,000 between now and March. So any uh, donation that you make toward the Generations campaign will be doubled in that time up to $25,000. So we're really excited about that. Really believe that, that God uh, has has told us to, to do that, to build that building for our youth and our children and our, our uh, daycare, and that he's paying for it, just like he said he would. And I really believe he's going to, to pay for it as fast as we can construct it. Uh, we're getting very close to actually to seeing machinery and things like that out there, so, so be watching for that as, as we get closer. And then one last announcement. I just want to encourage you to, to come next Sunday. We have a special guest speaker, Joel T. Meyer. He's a friend of mine that I've known for a little over a year now. He's one of the pastors that's in a monthly uh, pastor's meeting that I go to that's part of our association of churches that we are part of. And I just wanted to share a little bit of his testimony this week with you. Um, he started his church uh, the, the Way about 20 years ago now. And when he founded it, he had a total of three people including himself. So, so there was two, two other believers meeting with him. And after the first year in ministry, uh, the, the ministry had doubled in size. They'd gone from three to six. And after another year of ministry, they doubled again to 12. And so those first few years were very difficult. And as you can imagine, uh, he had to really have his hope and trust and faith in what the Lord had called him to do. I think a lot of us, if it took a year to get from three to six, would have assumed somewhere along the way that, well, God obviously didn't call me to do this or it would have been working out different. This would be progressing faster. Well, 20 years later, it's a thriving and growing uh, church. It's a fantastic ministry in Sulphur Springs, but it was his faithfulness in the Lord and hearing what God has spoken and not wavering and, and keeping that faith in the Lord that allowed them to continue and allowed them to get where they are today. And now the church is blessed. He has a wonderful family that's blessed. And, and like I said, he'll be with us uh, here next week. But, but just his, his faith in the Lord and, and in what he hears uh, God speak and how he holds on to that is phenomenal. So I really encourage you. Uh, he's going to present a really good word next week. So I hope you're able to join us. Well, this morning, if, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 1, as I said. Uh, if you don't, all this, all this messages or all the words will be on our screen. And we'll get to Luke in just a moment. This morning, I just wanted to start out by telling you this is a little bit of an unconventional Christmas message. We're certainly going to talk about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the good news of great joy that the angels declared at his birth, but our focus is going to be a little different probably from other Christmas messages that you've heard. 
um, I would encourage if you happen to miss last week's message that you listen to that. Uh, the question that came to my mind that, that this message is based on actually came, came to mind as I was studying and preparing that message last week. And it's what prompted this week's message. And the question that came to mind was, what did Jesus come to accomplish? Why was he born? Why did he come? And what victory did he win? And as I thought about those questions, the theme that stood to me, stood out to me, and as I, as I said, like I prepared last week's message, the thing that kept coming up, and I was like, Lord, is this supposed to go in this message? And it was like, no, but it was like, That's, that'll be next week. But it just didn't really make sense. And the theme and the word that stood out to me as I read the Christmas story this year was fear. Kind of odd, right? <laughs> When you think of Jesus' birth and the Christmas story, do you think of fear? It, doesn't, it never really came to my mind before, but it, but it did this year. Believe it or not, fear is actually one of the themes of the Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. It's in verse 30, and it's in chapter 2, verse 10. It's actually in another scripture that we'll look at as well, but just in a different way. Uh, And we're going to get to those in a minute. But before we do, I want us to note that fear has been with us since sin entered the world. It was one of the first emotions or responses from man after the first sin. In Genesis 3.10, Adam tells the father, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Fear had entered the world before that moment adam and eve had a relationship with god and now adam heard god and he was afraid we're about to look at several other words in in these scriptures and i want to make sure that you understand what they really mean because i think sometimes we read these words like afraid or fear and we have our own definition and the the definition that that these words had in the original context is a little more uh, full, a little more real than I think what we tie to them. This first word that we encounter afraid is actually yare, and it means fear, dread, or terrified. Another word that we're going to see in just a moment, and this is this is the phrase that is seen throughout these three scriptures, is fear not. And that's uh, from two words meaning, uh, or phobeo me, and then the word fear by itself, and it's phobos. And as you can see, both of those words have a root to our English word phobia. The meaning of both of these tenses of fear is, again, fear, dread, that which strikes terror. And finally, we'll encounter the word troubled. And the, word, the root of this word troubled, and that's really the one I think that stands out more than the others that we would kind of think, you know, if you say I'm a little troubled, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. But the root of this word means to strike one's spirit with fear and dread, to render anxious or distressed. And what I want us to understand about each of these words is that they are all more than uh, I thought I heard something in the night. You know, if you're laying in bed and you think you hear a thud, you kind of get up and you're a little alert. You're wondering what happened. You might be a little afraid, but that's not struck with terror. You know, that's not incapacitated by fear. 
But that's what all of these words mean. It's not like we're walking through a hall and one of our kids jumps out and goes, boo. You know, we're like, ooh. (laughs) That's not what these words are talking about. It's utter, total fear and dread. Just to be clear, fear isn't the good news that we're going to be talking about this morning. It's not the good news of Jesus' birth. The good news is that he came to conquer fear. But before we get to that, I want us to take a look at this theme of fear in the story of Christ's birth that starts in Luke chapter 1. And it's a prophetic word about the birth of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. You've read that word before, but maybe it didn't have the same tense that we just read. That troubled meant incapacitated by fear, utter dread when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for the prayer, your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and he shall call, you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. There's a few things that I want to point out here. Obviously, John has been ordained by God to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. But what I want us to keep in mind is that the kingdom of God, through an angel, the kingdom of God just encountered a man. The man, Zechariah, the soon-to-be father of John the Baptist. His prayer has been answered, and he's encountering an angel, but he's totally incapacitated by fear. And the angel's response is, don't be afraid. Fear not, I bring you good news. Your prayer has been answered. You and your wife are going to have a son. The next place that we encounter this fear is in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it's another prophetic word. This one is to Mary about the birth of her son, Jesus Christ. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Remember the words for troubled and afraid or fear don't just mean a little scared. This is saying Mary's spirit had been struck with dread, literally disabled by fear. Then we read on, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. It's also those words are translated as fear not, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his... We see the same two things again. The kingdom of God has encountered someone. This time Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus Christ. And she's struck with terror and the angel's response is don't be afraid i've got good news before we look at the third example there's another prophetic word that comes in between these two stories and it comes to zachariah again in luke 1 verse 67 remember zachariah is the going to be the father of john the baptist And this prophetic word is regarding Jesus Christ. It says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days redeemed and delivered that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness this prophecy is saying that we can encounter the kingdom of heaven because jesus has come to redeem us that we might serve our heavenly father without fear in holiness and righteousness this is good news Now flip over to Luke chapter 2, verse 7. This is the announcement of the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, and it's the last reference to fear that we're going to be looking at this morning in the Christmas story. Verse 7 of Luke 2 says, And she, speaking of Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There's a theme here. As each of these people encountered the kingdom of God, what God was doing on earth at that time, their reaction was fear. 
They weren't just a little scared. It was outright terror and dread. And the response of the angels was always, fear not. Don't be afraid. God's doing a good thing. And don't forget Adam's response to the presence of God after he had sinned. He said, I was afraid. I was filled with fear and dread and terror when I heard you were here. But now Jesus has come. And what did he accomplish? What was his ministry all about? Matthew chapter 4 tells us, after Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he started his ministry. And Matthew 4, 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' message was the kingdom of heaven. Over and over he spoke of the kingdom of heaven, his father's kingdom. But as we have seen, one of the natural responses to encountering God and his kingdom is fear and trembling. And I think that's why one of Jesus' most common commands, and I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the most common commands that Jesus gave in his ministry in the four gospels was fear not. Don't be afraid. He said over and over and over, don't be afraid. It's a regular theme throughout the whole Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's found 103 times, those two words together combined, don't be afraid, do not fear. And as I was studying these four stories and praying about them, I asked God what the root for this fear is. And what the root for our fear is. What connects us with them. Because we're all human. We're all in the same boat. And I was praying and I said, Lord, what, why, why do we fear? You know, what's, what's at the bottom of this? And the word that I heard was trembling. And I was like, well, that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> it's like, how, that, how does, you know, it just doesn't even make sense. But as I prayed about that, the Lord put another scripture on my heart. And it had that word trembling in it. And it's a, it's a story in the New Testament in Hebrews that's actually relaying a story in the Old Testament. And it's about when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. They've crossed through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. And God, God the Father himself, comes down on the mountain and speaks, not to Moses, he speaks to the people. And this is one of those stories that's always, you know, kind of made me wonder because God really wanted a relationship with all of us, all of them, then. He was only speaking through Moses because they didn't want him to speak to them directly. And it said they were in utter fear and utter uh, just trembling because God was speaking to them himself from the mountain to all the people. So look with me at Hebrews 12 verse 18. And you know your Bible, you can start turning there. It'll also be on the screen in just a second. But you know that the Bible have the little headers? This passage has a header. And that header says it's about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Verse 18, for you have not come to what may be touched, 
a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. That's the children of Israel's response. They heard the word of God, the voice of God, and they begged that he wouldn't speak to them anymore in that way. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Verse 21, indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Moses wasn't immune himself. Moses trembled with fear as well, but he didn't have the option of not hearing God further. He was going to be the spokesman from that point on. But Moses also trembled with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering. Verse 23, and the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven." Verse 26, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. This is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The removal of things that are shaken. That was the answer to my question. What do we fear? What is at the root? What were they afraid of? What are we afraid of today? We're afraid of losing what's shakable. It's the flesh. It's what we feel. It's what we desire. It's everything that we see, everything that we sense. Substances that alter our moods. All of those things affect the shakable. As I was praying to God, I said, Lord, it's obvious that our spirit, our soul, is not shakable. That's what you came for. That is eternal. Your kingdom's eternal. What you came for is about the eternal. You are unshakable. And Jesus Christ unites us, the part of us that's unshakable, with him. And we can be unshakable. And we don't have to look at the things that are shakable anymore. And it, I just realized, I'm like, Lord, this is going to pass away. All of my feelings, everything I see, all of my senses are going to go into the grave and only one thing is going to remain and that's unshakable. And that's what Jesus Christ came to redeem, the unshakable. This passage tells us that Jesus came as a mediator of a new covenant. 
and through him we have received a kingdom, the unshakable kingdom that he came to proclaim, a life, an eternal life that cannot be shaken. I want to show you a few scriptures very quickly that point out the difference between the shakable and the unshakable, and they're in both the Old and New Testament. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. That's the shakable. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The unshakable is with you. The author of Hebrews quotes that very passage that we just read in Deuteronomy in Hebrews 13:5. It says, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man and the enemy can only shake the shakable. The things that have been made. Why would we fear that? The unshakable God is with us. In Isaiah 41.10, God says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God and what was unshakable. Over and over, he encouraged those that he encountered to not fear, to not be afraid. Each time the angels came and announced the kingdom and they encountered the kingdom, they told those who were in fear and dread, don't be afraid. Fear not. We come with good news. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus himself said, do not be afraid of them. For there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of the people who can kill the shakable but they can't even touch the unshakable. The enemy can't even touch you. He can't touch the unshakable. Again in Luke 12, verse 4, Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. They can't touch you. In Luke 12:32 Jesus said, "Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom." It pleased the father to give us his whole kingdom, the unshakable kingdom himself. Don't be afraid, don't fear. Everything that he's given us is unshakable. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Remember that word? Same one. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm giving you my peace. He's given us peace to our soul unshakable peace 
to an unshakable soul. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't let what's shakable take away the unshakable. In Romans 14, 17, we're told, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That scripture says what I was explaining earlier. Eating and drinking, it's all what we can feel. It's all what we encounter in a shakable body. The kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. It's not our shakable body. It's of peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Unshakable peace. Unshakable joy. Unshakable righteousness in the Holy Spirit. First Timothy 3.16 sums everything up. It says, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of Jesus Christ, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Jesus came as a baby in a manger and would grow into a man to proclaim the kingdom of God. Over and over and over, God has sought to show himself and his kingdom. And over and over and over, he says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't let the enemy trick you into looking and focusing on the shakable. Put your hope, your focus, your eyes on the Father who's unshakable. And remember that Jesus came in total contradiction to fear. He said, I came to give you peace. Whether we are encountering God or just looking around at what is going on in the world around us, our first reaction will most likely be fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of our own death. Fear of the death of our loved ones. Fear of pain, hurt. Fear of being out of control. We literally have no limit on the things that we can be afraid of when we look around at what's shakable. But every fear falls into one category. Everything that we fear is shakable. It's the things that are made. And Jesus came to give us life. Not just life, but abundant life. Everlasting life. Unshakable life. In an unshakable, everlasting kingdom. The kingdom of God. And over and over and over, he's implored us to take our eyes off the things of this world and put them on him. To not be afraid. To keep our eyes on the unshakable, everlasting God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 says, Thank God. He, the Father, gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Absolute, total victory in Christ Jesus. And don't forget that scripture where Jesus said, little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have nothing 
to fear. As we close this morning, I want to share with you a scripture in Psalm 56, verse 3. And I just want to speak, it's a, I, I call it a fear not psalm. <laughs> that reminds us that we can keep our trust, our faith, our hope in our unshakable Father and His unshakable kingdom. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? My trust is in my unshakable God, his unshakable kingdom, and his unshakable son who came to set us free from sin and death and fear. What can the things that are shakable do to me or to you? Nothing. They can't do anything. Jesus said, after they kill your body, what more can they do? Nothing. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, has set us free from sin and death and fear, and has made us free to serve him and follow him in righteousness and joy and peace. That's good news. That's the good news of Christmas. That's why he came. That's the victory that he won. Total and complete forever. And it was the plan the whole time. It wasn't plan B. It was always plan A. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He's planted us firmly on an unshakable foundation in the kingdom of the Father. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with joy at what you've done, at how much you love us, that you sent your Son not just to be born, but to live here as a man, to, to gain victory over sin and death and fear, to set us free, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, the unshakable kingdom of God to restore the relationship that we had lost. That our eternal soul might spend eternity with you. Father, I pray for the grace and the mercy for us to put our eyes on you, on the unshakable, that we won't be afraid Lord, that we will proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That we'll proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. What do we have to be afraid of? Nothing. Nothing. What can man do to us? Nothing. 
what can the enemy do to us? Nothing. You have accomplished everything. We give you glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.